Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed, joined this morning by my frequent co-host and husband and business partner, Kirk Reed. Happy weekend, everybody. Uh, we are going to crunch some numbers today. This is going to be, I know this is going to be one of my favorite shows. Because I love numbers. I think they're awesome. Um, when we were doing a show recently, we we were doing a show recently, Kirk, about the election, uh, historical elections, and you know, number crunching regarding leaving money in the markets, regardless of regardless of, you know, just leaving money in the markets for a long time. And the numbers are really, really powerful. And then I was actually a guest on Sharon McNamara's show, Talk Real Estate or Real Estate Roundtable, I think. And we went over the same numbers and she was like, they were just, you know, floored by numbers. And I was like, you know what? I love numbers. We've never done like a number show. So we're calling this one numbers speak louder than words. And so I think, you know, certainly in the world of investing where, num- you know, with compounding interest and all these things, numbers can just grow to be these just staggering, you know, crazy numbers. And so we just, I wanted to talk about that this morning. So talking about, um, you know, just growth of money over time. It's really powerful concept. Uh, it's really powerful and, and a concept that I wanted to touch on. I also wanted to talk about when it comes to 
debt, that how, how interest on debt can add up over long periods of time. And those numbers can be staggering. And then maybe just like, if we have time at the end, talk about just some budgeting type stuff and, you know, just like motivational type stuff geared toward, you know, people paying attention to where your money goes. And if you did something different with it, you know, things would be a little bit different. So that was my idea for the show. So numbers speak louder than words. Sound good? Sounds good. I'm still sipping my coffee. So bear with me if I take a little pause there. Yes. Did you see my, my coffee had Christmas, Christmas writing on it today? Yes. I know. I thought you were talking about how gigantic your coffee is, but you were talking about how it has Christmas on it already. Yeah. It is the season. Bring it on. I love it. (laughs) The earlier, the better. Well, not too early, I suppose, but Okay. So I guess the first thing I wanted to um, do was kind of play around with some financial calculators. So I have, and and play around with, you know, different amounts of money and growth of those amounts of money over time. And so I guess those sort of the first segment of this will just be, uh, you know, once again, sort of talking about this concept of compounding interest and then sort of apply it to this, you know, the goal of retirement, which for most people is the largest their largest financial goal, uh, the, you know, the biggest thing that they'll save for in their lives. Um, generally speaking is retirement, I guess, you know, college, we're going to throw, you know, have some college related discussions too, but I, I guess just to preface, and I, you know, we did a show not long ago where we were talking about compounding interest or compounding earnings, Kirk, but just to define that, because I think we'll use that term several times today. So compounding interest is just this, phenomenon of like, let's say you invest a thousand dollars and you know, it, it, it earns, let's say in the first year it earns 5%. So it earned 50 bucks in the first year. And then the next year it starts at a thousand and fifty. And then if it earns the same 5%, then it earns, what is that? $52. Wait, did I do that right? 52, 50. So the next year, the earnings are a little bit greater, even though you didn't add to it because your money is greater because that's just earnings over time. So compounding interest is just, or I guess we could say compounding earnings is just earnings on your money and your earnings and earnings on earnings on earnings over time. And it just, it just compounds and it's really, really, really powerful the longer the time horizon you're examining. So we, I, I think we'll probably use that term several times. So just wanted to, you know, make sure people understand uh, what we mean by compounding interest or compounding earning. It's just, it's just, you know, you're, you're not only is your contribution or your capital earning money, but your earnings on your capital are earning money. And then your earnings on your earnings on your earnings on your, on your capital are earning money. So it's, it just, it's like the snowball effect and, you know, a snowball gets bigger rolling downhill, just like over time, you know, the longer, the longer that hill is and the, the, the longer that period of time, that snowball just gets bigger. And the same thing with invested dollars, at least all throughout history, it's not guaranteed that your invested dollars will grow in the future, but throughout history over long periods of time, dollars have just grown sort of exponentially the longer the period of time you're examining. So that's the concept. Did I explain that? Okay. Yeah. And I think your math was even right. Yeah. It was 5250, right? Sweet. I've been doing a lot of math recently with our uh, fourth and fifth graders. So Mm. my basic math skills are like top notch right now. (laughs) I've always had pretty good math skills, but you know, more, more recently my, uh, I've been, I've been improving my math skills. Yes. Yes. We've been, Um, we've been going back to school ourselves. Yes. Yeah. I like it though. I like helping them with math. Once they get into like chemistry and anatomy or whatever, like I'm, I'm I'm not going to be very helpful with that type of stuff, but math I can handle. Hopefully, hopefully, 
hopefully for several years to come with the kid. Okay. So I pulled up a website where you can, there's a couple of ways that we can have this conversation. We can, we can just use a simple savings calculator to project future balances based on either, you know, one starting amount with no contribution or a starting amount like with monthly or annual contributions. You can just pull up basic savings calculators to do that. That's kind of fun. I generally use one on the bankrate.com website. I have no affiliation with Bankrate. They just happen to have a, lo- a lot of calculators that you can play with and not a whole lot of annoying ads that pop up in your face. So um, I just went to, I just found the Bankrate simple savings calculator. So that's one way to play around with numbers. You can have like an initial starting amount. You can add monthly contributions. If you want, you can enter your own rate of return and it will do some, it'll do some analysis for you. Another way for us to do this, which I think is, it takes a little bit more time, but it's super fun being in the business that we're in, of course, is we can actually back test portfolios based on historical return, actual historical returns of different categories of investments, like large U.S. stocks, small U.S. international bonds. You know, you, you can, we can that's called back testing where you're, you can do like a, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 year analysis, but you're using actual historical returns, which is really cool too. Um, and that takes a little bit more time, but it's super fun. So, and actually you, so I'm using right now the website portfolio visualizer.com. I don't have a subscription. You can just play around with some of this stuff without having a subscription. Um, and again, no affiliation with that uh, company and that website, but it, it, they just have a really cool tool. So they have this back test feature, and I was playing around with that this morning. So people can actually, you know, we're going to be throwing a lot of numbers out and doing some cool stuff, but you can actually do this on your own. If you love numbers as much as, as I do, then um, you'll, you'll really enjoy playing around with those two calculators. So I guess the first thing I did, so I, I do think this portfolio visualizer thing is really cool because um, again, it's actual historical returns. So if you, so let's say, for example, I wanted to do like a 10 year, a 20 year, and then maybe even like a 30, 40 and 50 year analysis on having money invested in the market. And with this portfolio visualizer, some of the categories of investments like don't have as much history as others. So you're like, you're a little bit limited. You know, if you're putting together an actual fancy portfolio, you're a a little bit limited in backtesting. But if you put together like a simple portfolio, or if you just backtest like the U.S. stock market, like U.S. large cap stocks, you can go back pretty far. I think I was able to go back 50 years with that one. Some of the other categories, like I had one portfolio that had emerging markets and it not only went back, I don't know, 25 or 30 years or something in, in this particular software. So you're a little bit limited in that regard. Anyway, so I was playing around with what if you had $10,000 invested in the stock market? I'm just going to call it the U.S. stock market for now, represented by U.S. large companies. And if you had that invested over different periods of time, it's just, it's pretty staggering how the the balances change. So for example, I went back 10 years. So the, so the way it works in this software is you can go back from current, you can do really any period of time, but I went back from current 2020 and I went back 10 years and I said, okay, what if someone invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 10 years ago? what would their rough balance be right now? So no future contributions. So 10 years, the last 10 years in the in the large US stock market were actually really good 10 years. The last 20, not so much, but last 10, really good. And so $10,000 turned into 
$36,000 with no additional contributions in 10 years. So you, you more than tripled your investment in the last 10 year period. If you, again, this, this is very simple. That's not even like a portfolio. That's just analyzing an investment in the U S stock market in the last 10 years. Um, and then if you go, and then I went back 20, 30, 40, and 50 years. So, so 10 years, 10,000 turns into 36,000, but this is actually super interesting. 20 years in the U S market was actually worse. 20, $10,000 invested 20 years ago only turned into $32,000 because if you remember, so 20 years ago is two, the year 2000, which was the start of the tech bubble, uh, which lasted like two and a half years. So I think it was March of 2000. Um, so almost exactly 20 years ago was the start of like a two, a more than two year bear market, which is a bad one. And then, you know, so time to take to recover from that. So several years to recover from that. And then there was the, you know, end of 07, 08, 09 market, the, 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 the credit crisis, we call it. And so in the last 20 years, there was like several really awful years. So isn't that interesting that 20 years um, of the, of being, having 10,000 bucks invested in the, in the, in large U S stocks was actually worse than just the last 10 years. Yeah. But the numbers, that's sort of a, sort of a unique 20 year period of time. And just related to the timing of, um, you know, if we went back like 24 years, the numbers would be really good because the late nineties were really good in the markets. Um, anyway, I, had, so, I just had one, you know, one little comment along here, you know, a cool little, um, you know, a cool little uh, rule of thumb is, you know, the, the rule of 72, um, you know, which is just kind oh, yeah. of a cool, calc, you know, just a, an easy way. So basically the rule of 72 is a, just a quick little shortcut to figure out how long does it take for your investment to double uh, mm -hmm. based on, based on what what you were assuming for a rate of return. So like, for example, so in the way you do it, so as you take 72 and let's say, so give me an interest rate. An earnings rate on a portfolio? Yeah. 8%. All right, so, so the way you do it, you take 72 and you divide by eight in that example, and it's a, and the answer is nine, right? So, so basically what that means is that it'll take roughly nine years for your investment to double uh, if you earn 8% per year. Uh, so that's yeah. just kind of a, a fun little way to, you know, because a lot of people, I ask that question, you know, they, they'll say, how long is it gonna take for, you know, for me to double my, my investment? And that's, you know, just kind of a quick way to, to estimate that. I know what that rule is, but sometimes I forget the exact specifics of that rule. So actually, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, it's so very, in, very easy and it's very simple. And it, and it, you know, it's, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's, but it's pretty close. It's just kind of a rough, a rough guideline. Yeah. So I want to say, so in this, in the first, in the 10 year example, so $10,000 invested in large US stocks over the last 10 years, tripled someone's investment. If that's, if that, you know, if that was the only class they were invested in with that $10,000, uh, happens to be a super good 10 years for U.S. stocks. And I want to say, I didn't save all like the, the calculations I was doing, but I want to say it was like a 12.5% return over 10 years for large U.S. stocks. But in the last 20 years, large U.S. stock returns were only like 
five or five and a half percent per year on average because we had those two right. bear markets. Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen that in recently. The 2000s. Yeah, I think it yeah. was I saw that recently on somebody's, you know, one of our, you know, looking at a um our own, you know, performance reports and looking at the S&P you know, over the past, yeah, over that time frame, And yeah, I want to say it was like six-ish. It was like around six, yeah. 6% per year. Yeah, uh, it's the last 20 years for yeah. U.S. stocks and actually international as well. I think, um, I think emerging markets were like seven. Actually, I think emerging markets actually outpaced the U.S. over the past 20 years. I think yeah. emerging was like seven and U.S. was like six something. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's nice to hear. Those, those lovely emerging markets that have in the last few years been underperforming, but they only, actually really long-term, they very only, respectable they, yeah, they, returns. You, yeah, and even outpace U.S. in many time horizons. You only need 20 years to make it work. Exactly. Well, it's a good thing investors have long time horizons. No, I know. Absolutely. So, okay, let me do my 10,000. I, I can't believe we're coming up on a break here in five or six minutes, but let me do my 10,000 again in the U.S. market. If I go back 30 years and you had $10,000 invested in, what is that, 1990, your 10000 with no additional contribution in the U.S. large market turned into $114,000. If I go back 40 years, $10,000 in large U.S. over the last 40 years turned into, it's a big number, $827,000. Uh, say, say one more time what that, what the, what were the numbers so, there? If I assume $10,000 was invested in yep. large U.S. stocks 40 years ago. 40 years ago. So 19, and it yep. stayed in the market for that 40-year period of time. It turned into what, what today, $827,000. What is that? And do you, do you know what that return is? What was that average no, I didn't. rate of return? Oh, yeah, okay. I could pull that up. Um, hold on. I don't have that right here. So what did I just say? 40 years is 1980. Oh, right. I can pull that up really quickly on this website. Again, I'm using this website portfolio visualizer. It's kind of cool. Or I, just, I actually did I, include year to date. So I guess it's a little bit more than 40 years. No, I, can was, use, I couldn't I, figure out. I can use my uh, HP 12C here also. Yeah, do it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to have no contributions monthly or annually. 10,000. All large U.S. stocks. 40 years. Yeah. And what was the t total? The end of 800 what? <sighs> $827,000. It was, hold on, a nine point. I got 11.67. Yeah. I was my, hold on. I have like too many variables going in my software. Okay. I was getting confused. So 1980 to 2020, $10,000. Yeah, I'm seeing, so 10,000 turned into 827,000 if it stayed in the market for that 40 year period of time. Large US, US large cap stocks. 11.42%. Okay. Now, important to note, so the longer we go out here, the numbers are really cool, but it's really important to note that $10,000 40 years ago was a lot more money than $10,000 10 and 20 years ago because of inflation. Right. So $10,000 40 years ago was a lot more money for someone to tuck away in the market. So we shouldn't, we shouldn't discount that, of course. So like $10,000 today is the equivalent, I'll use like two and a half percent average inflation over that period of time. Yep. That's the equivalent of 26 or $27,000 40 years ago. So it was like a lot harder for someone to save that amount 
than to save 10,000. So we, we should point out that a fact. This is, these numbers are not inflation adjusted. We certainly can inflation adjust, but the point is compounding earnings over time. And then I just went one step further in this software. I could go back 49 years. I think it was to 1971 or 72 is the furthest back I could go with this data. And so if I put $10,000 in large cap stocks in 1972, so, so almost 49 years ago with no contributions, that $10,000 turned into $1.18 million. I mean, the numbers are just so cool. Isn't yeah. that really fun? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to do it one more time because I can't. Sometimes I, I do it like so many times because I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, so $10,000. So that's a four, that's 49 years. So again, of course, a really long time. Uh, without adding to or subtracting from that investment, $10,000 in large U.S. large cap stocks since 1972 would have turned into $1.18 million, which is a 10.26% per year rate of return for U.S. large stocks. And again, you know, same, same point is that in 1972, what is 10,000 in 1972 was a lot of money. It was what I'm going to do 49 years, $33,500. Like that spent like $33,000 spends like today. So again, you know, harder for someone to tuck away 33,000 than 10,000, but still, um, that is crazy, crazy numbers, right? I like the further you go out, just the the more mind boggling it becomes. I can't even, I, I kept doing it over and over this morning and I kept drinking my coffee and being like, is my brain functioning properly yet? Yes, it is. Cause I kept doing it and getting the same answer. So that's really cool. And again, I'm just on this uh, website called portfolio visualizer and they just have historical rates of return for different types of different asset classes, which are, which are different types of investments. So just really, really fun. And we can, maybe after the break, we can kind of just play around with some simple calculators that, that maybe, uh, different rates of return for different portfolios and stuff like that. But that's just really cool. One other thing on this website, which actually maybe we should get into after the break. One other thing that this particular website will generate for you is in the period of time that you select that you're analyzing, you can look at the best returning year, which, okay. But you can also look at like the worst returning year and the worst drawdown, which doesn't mean like a year, but the worst period of time that that portfolio experienced, which is like a gut check, right? Because the longer you do this with a more aggressive portfolio with like an all stock portfolio, the better the numbers are. And everyone's like, why don't we just have all our money in stocks? But we'll talk about why maybe that's not appropriate for everyone after the break. You're listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed joined by Kirk Reed this morning. We're just taking a quick break. We're talking about numbers speak louder than words and we'll be right back. listening to McNamara on Money, the South Shore's very own financial talk radio show. Uh, This is Kirk Reed, joined by my wife and business partner, Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Good morning again. Good morning. Are you, uh, you I saw a little friend you had earlier, but it looks like you're by yourself now. I am solo now. Yes, the girls are upstairs busying themselves at the moment. I'm sure they will make another appearance. Uh, the the guy that edits our podcast this past week was like, he sent me an email. He's kind of like, I just been a few more minutes, you know, on this one, editing out doors slamming <laughs> and kids, you know, chatting with you on air. And you know, I was like, oh, no worries. That's worth the money. But um, so right- it's nice to be able to, you know, be home at our home studio in the basement here and... 
Our home um, studio, yes. Yeah, it's nice. And but pardon the pardon the interruptions. I'm sure we'll have a few moving forward here. No worries. You know, right before the uh, right before we came back, one of the. Um, you know, we have that little compliance piece that runs and it was talking about, you know, um, you know, past performance, you know, doesn't guarantee, uh, you know, future results and all that stuff. And, you know, it was kind of a good segue, you know, because we were talking about, you know, what we talked about before the break was, you know, the returns of the, um, you know, the S&P, you know, over the past, you know, 10, 20, 30 years. And, you know, because I was kind of, you're kind of, you know, I was thinking in my head, well, if, if you do that, you know, can you do that now and kind of, uh, you know, assume, you know, if you put in a thousand dollars now and, you know, the next 40 years, you're going to get that 11%. And, and I mean, that's not, you don't know that that's going to happen going forward. So, I mean, yeah, these are, like right. as you said, we were back testing and using, using numbers that we knew, um, but you don't necessarily know that that's going to, to happen in the future. Um, yeah. obviously that's a whole, that's a whole nother show. Um, yeah. but actually, so we actually, uh, we actually have a caller. Uh, oh, cool. we have Simon in Plymouth. Uh, Simon, can you hear us? I can. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Ah, not too bad. Um, I just have a, a quick question on that point that you were talking about is what do you think projected gains will be over the next, you know, 20 year period? The market seems to be at an all-time high, and can you still use, you know, six percent, eight percent? What's your feeling on that? Yeah, uh, good question. I mean, I yeah, I I, I, I talk. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, yeah, I mean, I'll give you my take, and then Alyssa can can you know chime in too. I mean, uh, Simon. I mean, obviously, it's you know we're making guesses or educated guesses, right? You know, when we talk about the future. Um, and, you know, all we can really do is, you know, base it on, you know, it has to be based partially uh, on history because, you know, that's all we have. Um, and there are certainly, there are smart folks out there that, you know, analyze the markets and, uh, you know, they can look at history and look at valuations and where things are versus, you know, where they're heading. And, you know, we, when we tell somebody, you know, for like an all stock portfolio, uh, you know, based on history, you know, we tell them we think somewhere between like seven to 9% uh, per year is kind of a reasonable expectation for returns. Um, yeah. and, and we think that that's, you know, reasonable going forward, but you know, we don't, you know, we, you know, we certainly believe in, you know, diversified portfolios and, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't tell you to just put all your money in one, you know, one particular index because, you know, because we don't know, you know, what history, you know, what it's going to do going forward. And we can't just, um, you know, put all, put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. And then yeah, I mean, one the other US question, if you don't, um, don't mind is, uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, taxes for, you know, things like 401ks and retirement accounts? What, what do you think the government's going to do there in the future? I, Simon, this is Alyssa. I, first of all, to, to your point, to your first question, I, you know, U.S. stock valuations are historically very high. And I don't think so. In the last decade, the U.S. market has pretty significantly outperformed other categories of stocks and its and its own long-term average. And I I don't think that's sustainable for the next decade. We in our portfolios that we manage for clients, we do have a good amount of international stock exposure. Those valuations are quite attractive, actually. And we're pretty comfortable with growth opportunities overseas right now relative to the U.S. So, I mean, this is why you diversify. I, I don't think what's happened in the U.S. is sustainable for another decade. This is why you diversify because, you know, but having said that, there could be other growth opportunities out there. And, and we're pretty comfortable with that internationally. 
Um, right. I, Kirk and I were just talking about, about taxes, you know, going up in our future. Um, and we, we actually just changed our 401k contributions and moved some percentage of our contribution from deductible to Roth because, you know, doing that and paying more taxes now at at historically pretty low rates, we're thinking is going to be in our best interest long-term because I do think taxes are going to have to increase in the future. I mean, they're set to revert back. The current tax code is set to sunset or revert back to its, the prior tax code in 2026 anyway, even if nothing is done in that period of time. Um, and brackets will slightly adjust upward again, but I think tax brackets will be going up more substantially than that in the next decade, if 10, 15 years anyway. Um, I mean, with all the stimulus and, and everything, I just think it's, it's and, and couple that with the fact that tax brackets are actually pretty low compared to where they've been in the last 40 or 50 years, um, I, I think it's sort of inevitable. So I, I talk to all my clients about, you know, if you can get money into Roths, I would do it in the next five or five or so years. I think it'll be in everyone's best interest long term. All right. Well, thank you very much for your uh, answers. I appreciate that. Thank, thanks for the yeah. call. You're welcome. Thanks, Thanks for the call, Simon. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Um, yeah, that was a good question about, I mean, it's just hard to imagine taxes not in, increasing in the future, um, just with the amount of debt we continue to take on here um, yeah. and the fact that, you know, rates are are pretty low right now. Um, you can't, yeah. Active, so. I think you have, I mean, obviously, yeah, we, we, it, it's hard to, hard to imagine them going down, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if and and yeah, they're probably yeah probably going to go up. I mean, hopefully it's a slow a slow transition, uh, you know, over time. But but yeah, it's probably heading that way. Uh, but that's just you know that's just our guess. Um, yeah. I know people are nervous about the election and what that might do, but I I don't think you know hopefully those changes if they come aren't you know immediate. They're probably going to take take a while to implement. Yeah. Um, all right. I just wanted to. Um, I wanted to touch on something. It's a little bit off top. Well, maybe not actually. This the topic of today was numbers speak louder than words, right? So, when I was doing um, some analysis on like historical portfolio returns and growth of money over time, right, which we were doing in the first segment there, um, I was doing it for an like an all stock portfolio. In that example, I was doing it for an all U.S. stock portfolio, which in the last, you know, as we talked about the last decade, have outperformed internationals. Might not always be the case, but um, then I was doing like I could do a side by side comparison of that ten thousand dollar investment. I can do it, you know, what did it do over 10, 20, 30 years in an all stock portfolio, and what did ten thousand grow to? over 10, 20, 30 years in a balanced portfolio, which in, which for us is like a roughly a 60% stock, 40% bond. And so let me go through some numbers and then, but I want to make a point regarding risk. And when you go back, when you look at historical returns and growth of money, you know, over almost all periods of time that I was looking at, over long periods of time, historically, and, and I would guess likely going forward, more aggressive portfolios with, with larger allocations to stock over long periods of time should outperform balanced or more conservative portfolios. So you think about that and you're like, okay, well, if my 10,000 grew to be a million dollars in 50 years in a stock portfolio, and it grows to be, you know, some smaller number, you know, in a balanced portfolio, I can pull that up in a second you know, it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't I just have all my money 
in stock portfolios, right? Like what, you know, I, I, you know, we know that it's likely, well, we think it's like, it's going to outperform long-term, but you, but it just brings up that concept of, of comfort level with risk. And are you going to be comfortable seeing large fluctuations in value at any given point in time with a stock portfolio? So this website portfolio visualizer is really cool where you can do some back testing and not only can you see growth of money, but you can see, like what the worst periods of time were, which is kind of a gut check for people. So let me just go back and let me do like 30 years, for example. So I'm going to go back to what is that 1990 and I'll go through 2020 and I'm going to have that $10,000 and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do a side-by-side comparison, a all us stock portfolio with a balanced portfolio. So Hold on. 10 years, right? What, what did I just say? 30 yep. year period yeah, of time? Yeah, 1990 to 2020. Yeah, and I just hopped on here. And it is a pretty cool um, little it's site. It's super yeah. cool. So I have $10,000. I'm going to go back to 1990. Hold on. Analyze portfolio. No money going in. No additions, right? Yeah. What did I say over 30 years? It was like 170000 or 117000 right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So... So I put in a hundred percent large U.S. stock portfolio, and side by side comparison with a sixty percent large U.S. stock portfolio, and the other forty percent is like in a U.S. total bond market, uh, U.S. bond market uh, allocation. So that's more like a balanced portfolio. That's a super simplistic balanced portfolio, but just so that we can do it really quickly. Um, so over this thirty year period of time. If we have the stock portfolio goes from $10,000 to $170,000, the balanced portfolio goes from $10,000 to $122,000, right? So over long periods of time, we would expect that the more aggressive portfolio would outperform, right? But what's really cool about this is that you can see, number one, the worst year and the maximum drawdown at any given period of time, not defined by a period of time, but what was the worst to downturn that each of those portfolio, I mean, I, I'm using uh, air quotes around that word portfolio. Those are, one of them is really not even a portfolio. It's just one asset class. Right. So for example, large US, let me, let me do the balance portfolio for, well, I guess large, so the large US stock in the last 30 years the worst calendar, the worst year, actually, I don't know if that's rolling or calendar. That must be the worst rolling year, 12 months. The worst year that a large U.S. stocks have had in the last 30 was a down 37%. The worst year that that balanced allocation had, which is 60 stock, 40 bond, was down 20%. So, you know, we talk about, you know, adding bonds into portfolio to mitigate, you know, downside risk or basically protect people on the downside. That's proof of that right there. Like if you have $100,000 invested in a stock portfolio and it's down 37% in a year, you don't have $100,000 anymore. You have, what is that, $63,000. Whereas in a balanced portfolio, in whatever crappy year that was, if you had a hundred thousand or maybe, maybe you only have 90,000, but it, but your downturn is, is, um, not as scary. And so the worst that, that, that little allocation saw was down 20% or a hundred thousand down, you know, 20,000 bucks. 
Um, are those and yeah. go ahead? I, uh, on that on those projections or the, that you're running those back tests are they rebalancing? I, I saw that that was a that, that yeah, was an option. Are, 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 are you doing that? Are you doing that? Yep. Okay. Yeah, which I think is fairly common practice these days. It's so automated uh, on many websites. And so max drawdown is drawdown period based on monthly returns. Okay, so yeah, it's like what a, it's the worst whatever period of time that was seen in that for the last thirty years. So in the so in the large U.S. stock allocation, the maximum drawdown was almost fifty one percent. So that wasn't like a year. That was just some period of time. Um, it actually defines it if you like, if you hover over it, um, November 07 to February 09. So the credit crisis there was right. that was the worst drawdown. So that period of time was more than a year. So in that, in that stock allocation, yeah, your long-term return potential is greater, but you had to sit through a couple of years almost worth of seeing your account value temporarily be cut in half. And that's a long period of time to be emotionally okay with that. And so, and then compare there, excuse me, contrast that, I guess, with the more balanced allocation where the worst or the maximum drawdown there was this was 30, 30%, 31%. So it, almost a third versus a half um, in, in the stock allocation. So I just think that's really powerful. Like as I was pulling up these numbers and, you know, of course the, you know, of course, the stock allocation, the aggressive allocations over long periods of time, you know, you were seeing these great, great compounding, uh, these numbers compounding and these, you know, great, really long term historical returns. And 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 then I was just kind of like, you know what, it, we have to put this into perspective for people because because an all stock allocation is you and I know is not appropriate for everyone. And as you're nearing retirement or, you know, whatever financial goal it is, if it's college or whatever. But if you're if you're nearing retirement, especially, number one, the dollars in your portfolio are hopefully larger than, you know, someone who's like in their 30s or 40s. And so so larger dollars um, fluctuate downward more in terms of the dollars involved in bad markets. Um so that can, that's scarier, of course, with larger account values, account balances. Um, but also it, it's just, it's not prudent to be approaching a period of time where you're drawing money out of your portfolio and be risking a drawdown of 50%, right? You have to mitigate that, or you, in my opinion, you should mitigate that as you're approaching retirement and certainly in retirement. So I just wanted to, I, I just think this site is really, really cool because you can look at um, you can sort of, you can look at that and you can sort of assess the, the risk component of, of being invested in that strategy, which is super cool. No, it, it is cool. Do, um, does it, does it give, it doesn't, but it doesn't give you returns, right? It just kind of gives you the, the It end. doesn't give you the year over year returns here, yep, but it yep. does give you that one, uh, next to final balance. It's giving you that rate of return. Okay. Yeah. And then it gives you, it actually gives you the standard deviation, which is really cool. Something that we use in our software, um, measure, measure of portfolio volatility. But I just think that that's really, really cool. So what, um, what was the return? Okay. What, what are they showing for the return for that, for that balanced portfolio over that, um, over that eight, time? Like 8%. Okay. 8% per year over 30 years. Okay. Uh, low, it was much lower in the last 20 years. Of course, we always talk, we already talked about two really bad bear markets in the last 20 um, but yeah, about going back 30 years, of course, the nineties were really good in the markets. Um, 
And yeah, but if we go back 20 years, um, yeah, I pulled that. Yeah. So actually, oh, this is so interesting. Numbers are so exciting. And I'm sorry if you hear a little, little pixies in the background, my little minions are here with me right now. So, okay. Go back 20 years. I'm so excited. I just lit up. Um, if we go back 20 years and we have that large U.S. stock allocation, we already talked about how that has in the last 20 years underperformed long-term averages, 5.8% per year on average in the last 20 years for large U.S. stocks. So because we had, again, two really bad right. bear markets in the 2000s. Over 20 years, that balanced portfolio actually outperformed slightly, but the balanced portfolio over 20 years, 5.9% versus 5.8 in large U.S. stocks. Yeah. So it's only a tenth of a percent, but still over long periods of time, you don't often see uh, a, a more balanced portfolio outperform a stock portfolio. But th this last 20 year period of time was incre pretty unique um, in that, in that those bear markets. Right. We're capturing, the, yeah. Capturing the, two, yeah. About yeah. Two, two really, uh, really bad times. Well, actually, and I mean, you count, you could count what happened this year, I guess as a third one. Um, you know, so there's three, three big downturns in there. Yeah. Hold on. I was just going to pull really quick. 2000 to 2010 was an exceptionally poor 10 years in the markets because there was basically book, basically bookended by two awful, awful markets. Um, and hold on us. So for the 10 years, 2000 to 2010 U S large stocks were basically flat. Hmm. That was like the one, like the one, I think there's actually, I just did calendar to calendar but I believe there's actually like one rolling 10 year period of time right around then. It must be, it must've been March of 2000 to March, March of 2000 to March of 11 or something like that. There was some uh, like rolling 10 year period of time where I think stocks were actually negative, very slightly well, negative over 10 years, probably, which is a long time, right? Yeah, if you did it Remember like, that? if you did it like, you know, through, uh, let's see, like 2009, right? Um, cause that was, we maybe were, that was it. Maybe that was it. Maybe it was like, and maybe it was like, no, cause 99 was really, really good. I but I thought there was like one rolling 10 year period of time where they were actually negative, but, but from calendar 10, to count, no, I'm sorry, from calendar 2000 to calendar 2010, stocks were literally, U.S. stocks were literally almost flat at 0.3% per year, a very long time. We always say investing is a marathon, not a sprint. And there is like, the, that's like the worst 10 year period of time, I think, for stocks throughout history. Um, so actually in that period of time, balanced portfolios outperformed and that they were up 3.2% per year in that period of time. Fairly, fairly respectable, like kind of boring, but pretty respectable, especially when you compare it with, um, with large stock returns. That was kind so of, that, that's really cool. That wasn't quite a marathon. That was more like a kind of like a 5k, maybe, uh, something like that. Uh-oh. Did we lose you? Sorry. It, yes. Tim, is there like a lot of noise in the background or just a little bit of noise in the background? Or I'm trying to decide if I need to. I No, it's fine. Okay. I, I don't hear much. Let so. me know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. So what do we have? Seven or eight minutes? Okay. Um, 
I wanted to, okay, so there's just one exercise I want to go through. I've talked about this on the air before. I think I've done this on the air before, but it's just really, really, really fun. Um, and, you know, I, the, the whole concept of the show was, you know, numbers speak louder than words, you know, and, and we, you know, we talk about the importance of saving, save early, save often. We, you know, we talk about that, but I just think when you look at the numbers, it's just more powerful. Um, and so this is an exercise, again, I do it with the, with the high school kids when we have that opportunity to do that with the smart money fair, it's just really fun. So I'm going to go to that simple savings calculator for a minute. And this is really fun to play with. Um, so I just found, you can just Google, you know, savings calculator or Google simple savings calculator. Um, and I'm just on the bank rate website, but there's, there's tons of websites which have them, even the, even the large financial custodians will have those on their websites. Um, but you can play around with um, you know, contributing, you know, the, the effect of contributing over long periods of time or, or of investing, excuse me, over long periods of time. So I'm going to assume I have, um, nothing invested. I think you, I think I technically have to have a dollar invested at the beginning. And then I'm just going to do like 200 bucks a month Yep. or actually I'm going to do this in the reverse. The, the point I try to make is the, the benefit of investing over a long period of time versus over a shorter period of time. So we talk about like when you're talking to someone who's like 20 and they have, you know, let's say they have 40 ish years of time before a normal retirement age, at least in today's world. Um, so if, and I sort of make this point, like what if you save, you know, uh, 200 bucks a month for 40 years or what if you, for the first 20 years, you like don't really save anything because you're focusing on buying a house and you have kids and like the world is expensive and you're not really focused on retirement. What if you only saved for 20 years, but you save the same amount of money? So it would be 400 a month for 20 years would be the same actual amount of money as 200 a month for 40 years, right? right? Yep. So, so I like to do it in the reverse because of course I know which one is going to be the large amount of money. But if we do $400 a month, for 20, what did I say? $400 a month for 20 years is 240 months, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use, what should we use for a rate of return? Six, seven, eight percent? I don't know. Eight percent? Seven percent? Are you assuming all stocks? Uh, no, I don't know. I'll assume balance. Let's let's just do like seven percent. Okay. Okay. So if I invest 400 bucks a month for 20 years, that's 240 months your total contributions to this investment account are $96,000 and at 7% per year return on average, again, this is not back tested. This is just, I'm assuming 7% per year. Your, uh, your, your $96,000 over time turns into $203,000. Okay. Now, if we do the same capital contributed, but over, of over a 40 year period, so twice as long, so I'm going to do 200 bucks a month for 480 months, 480 months, the 280, hold on, not 840, hold on, 480 months, same capital contributed of $96,000. And our, in our first example, it went to 227, right? Uh, in our first two, example, 203, it was 203. 203. So in our first example, 400 bucks a month over 20 years, uh, your 96,000 of capital turns into 203. 
200 bucks a month for 40 years, your 96,000 of capital turns into $494,000. It's crazy, the numbers, right? That's more than twice as much for the same amount of capital. Same rate of return, 7%. Same, all other things being equal. Now, of course, like we, we talked about earlier in the show, that that is not inflation adjusted. So, so $200, you know, 40 years ago it is, is more than two, you know, $200 20 years ago. So it's, uh, that has to be, I guess we should have that conversation, but the numbers are just, are so staggering. Um, because, you know, time in the market is really your friend and, and that compounding interest is just so, 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 so powerful over long, excuse me, periods of time. And 20 years is a long period of time, but 40 years is, is not out of the realm of, of, of a, you know, an investment time horizon when you're talking about saving for retirement, because you have, most people have 40 or 50 years to save for retirement. It just depends on how hard they're focusing on it when they're in their younger years. And of course, when you're 20, you're not really focusing on it, but the more you know, and, and even if you can tuck away a little bit, you know, getting started in, in your first job or whatever, that is just so, 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 so powerful long-term. So I think that's, those numbers speak pretty loudly, right? That was the same amount of actual money or capital contributed. Right. And more than double the final balance uh, just by building, just by doing it over a longer period of time versus a shorter period of time. And like I said, 20 years isn't even a short period of time. Right. Um, so that's, so, you know, if you, if you're listening and you have adult kids and, and, uh, you know, if there's anything you can teach them about finances, it's to, as soon as they get their job, talk some money in their 401k. And e- even if it's relatively small, um, because compounding over time is super powerful. All right. I'm getting the axe. Like we need to wrap it up and take a quick break. You're listening to McNamara on money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed joined by Kirk Reed. We're talking about how numbers are more powerful than words. Uh, and just talking about some number crunching today. We're just taking a break and we'll be right back. 